Sawate discipuli and sawate omnes. Welcome again to another episode of Latin in Layman's. I'm going to continue on with our Latin grammar mini series here, diving into our ninth lesson here embedded within. I'm going to try and figure out how I can actually compile these so that I can throw them into specific. Um, well, actually, I don't know if that would work. Well, you know what? I'm going to try and be a little bit more like compile them all together so that it's as seamless for you guys. But if you are wanting to, you know, kind of focus more on Latin grammar, just look up Latin grammar miniseries. You can do that when you find me on my podcast, either on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Latin and Layman's, L-A-T space I-N, L-A-T. What? All right. No, not Latin. It's Latin. L-A-T-I-N space I-N space L-A-Y-M-A-N, ticky mark S, because layman's is made genitive singular, a.k.a. to show possession. And how do we show possession? We can either do the of the or the ticky mark S. We could either say, we could also say Latin of the layman. I don't know. Kind of like Latin of layman's better. Um, a rhetoric revolution doing a long plug here, but yeah, you can actually just look it up, look up Latin grammar miniseries. You know, we've gone over first declension, first conjugation, second declension, second conjugation, third, we just went over third conjugation and all of its irregularities. We've gone over third declension. And now what we're going to dive into here in our ninth lesson is we're going to be diving into the demonstrative pronouns, hic, ile, and iste. Um, so, if you're interested, you want to learn something new, and you want to understand exactly what a demonstrative pronoun is, because you probably don't know, and uh, well, it has the name with embedded within it, demonstrate, dem demonstrative. It demonstrates something, a demonstrative, or demon, yeah, demonstrative, that's not really a word, but demonstrative is a word. Um, it demonstrates uh, a particular pronoun, uh, and I will get into the subtle nuances of what that really means in a hot second. But like I said, if you haven't already, would love that support that I always mention. It's very free. It's very easy. And if the, your soul is mo moved to do so, and if uh, you want to just help me out, you don't even have to want to help me out. You could just be like, you know what? This guy is throwing out some knowledge. He's putting some time and energy in this stuff. You know what? I ought to just at least give him at least some sort of it, greater than a three star, maybe. That would be nice. But hey, you know what? It's what it is. Thanks again for those that have done it, and I'm sorry that I keep on plugging it and doing it so often and being a little bit annoying about it, um, but it just reminds me of, you know, any other person on YouTube or wherever they always are like, you know, be sure to click the subscribe button and hit the bell and all that stuff. I remember back in the day, I don't really watch YouTube a lot now, but, but yeah, that being said, let's dive on into what exactly a demonstrative pronoun is and see it relayed within our Latin realm. All right, so diving into this here, demonstrative pronouns like English words, this and that point at something, and that's what a demonstrative pronoun is here. They're often used as adjectives like in, or as in this book, or that tree, for instance. I don't know, that chair. In English, demonstrative pronouns take a different form in the plural. So this becomes these, and that becomes those, making them one of the few English adjectival words which are different in the singular and the plural. Kind of interesting. Goose, geese, I don't know. 
Though they are at heart adjectives because they so often stand alone, it's almost better to consider them as pronouns, though. That's why we call them demonstrative pronouns. For those of us that still need a refresher, a pronoun is a part of speech. All right. I'm, I hope that this is just very, very, you know, rudimentary review. It's usually a small word which represents and stands in place of a noun as an antecedent that it refers back to. So for instance, we were looking for a new house to buy and we found it. It represents and stands in place of the new house that we had referenced prior in that sentence, right? But we don't want to have to say it over and over and over again, right? That becomes redundant. You know, your English teacher doesn't like that. You know, typically audience, you know, that's reading a book doesn't really like things that are, you know, said over and over and over again, unless it's deliberate and that's the the way the, the author writes and their diction. Um, but however, you know, you're not going to say Liam walked to the store, then Liam got some bananas. Liam then peeled the bananas. Liam then took said bananas and see, it just becomes rather like, a, you know, you can say Liam once and then refer to a pronoun. And then if you use it grammatically correct, then you have shown to your audience that he is just referencing back to Liam, aka who that person was, but we're not going to have to say their name all that often. Now we know the gender of Liam is a he, so we're going to call him he from now on because he is our only character in this situation. All right, I'm done. So pronouns are some of the most useful forms in language. Uh, they allow us not to have um, a repeat a noun, essentially, every time we want to mention it. Just like I was saying before, we don't have to say, um, you know, the the mug every single time and we can refer to it as it at some point if we wanted to. So demonstratives can function as pronouns as well as adjectives. So for instance, you can say, let's move there. That's a good idea. In the second sentence, the demonstrative form that functions as a pronoun because it represents and stands in place of the idea of moving there. So think about it. Just now we're thinking about the words and the sentence structure that we read and we utilize, and we're just thinking about it more critically critically. Let's move there. That's a good idea. You know what? That's a good idea. What is that referring to? That is referring to the idea of moving to a place. The, uh, the, you know, the, well, let's, uh, let's is a just subjunctive. So kind of like the, you know, consideration of moving over there is that. So demonstrative can serve as either adjectives when they modify a noun or pronouns when they stand alone. Here's one idea expressed both ways. I like that thing where that is an adjective modifying thing, or you can just say, I like that, in which case that is a pronoun representing and standing in place of that thing. Hopefully this is not going too, too over your heads, you guys, but I think that I'm just trying to give you guys a good understanding, demonstrative pronouns. That's what we're doing here. If you haven't already seen this for yourself, another way to look at this pronoun usage is that the demonstrative pronoun is serving as a substantive, as I'm sure you remember it being an adjective, which functions as a noun, right? It derives its substance from what? Well, that's right, from their gender, substantive, right? Sub meaning under, stance coming from, uh, well, stance really, meaning standing or in place essentially so substantive stand underneath in place of essentially a noun an actual noun 
because that adjective functions as the noun and we don't have to be redundant and we can be a little bit efficient, right? It's about working smarter, not harder. So English pronouns are the only place where there's anything corresponding to that practice in our language. Uh, pronouns are, in fact, archaic forms retaining grammatical information, which our nouns and adjectives have long lost. For instance, gender, he, she, it, number I versus we, you versus y'all, he, she, it versus they, and even case, right? He is nominative, his is genitive, him is accusative, she is nominative, her is genitive, and um, her is also accusative in that case. It is nominative and accusative. It's genitive. There's a fascinating detail here, in my opinion. Notice that he has an accusative form, which is him. She has an accusative form, which is her, but it does not have an, a distinctive accusative form. It serves as both the nominative and accusative, and that's because neuter nominatives and accusatives are always the same. Have I not mentioned that before? Yes. Gotta love me some patterns that hold true and retain said pattern structure throughout different, you know, topics and concepts and grammatical concepts within Latin because that means less irregularities. And from the title of my last podcast, I don't really like a lot of irregularities. So that's why I think conjugation is a dummy, dummy, poopy butthole. That being said, just like in Latin, English is an Indo-European language. So it inherited the same tendencies Latin did. And that's why English doesn't have a special neuter accusative form. There you go. Now we're just doing a little bit of some etymology, some word history, some linguistics, and understanding that language. So if you didn't know, now you know. Our demonstratives retain archaic forms too, with number, for instance, as we noted before. This versus these, that versus those, the distinction between the singular and the plural forms is a relic of the way that English used to treat all adjectives, which raises an important principle. The more common a word, the more likely it is to exhibit irregular forms, for the very simple reason that common words are, bleh, are heard more often and thus can support you know, that irregularity. The more often we use something, the more it can afford that irregularity within our vocabulary within the language that we use to converse on a day-to-day -day basis. So for example, we English speakers hear do, does, did, done every day, right? Which means that that verb can afford uh, a lot of irregularities as in has, had, have, but something like a verb like mitigate or incapacitate. They're simply not used enough to support that type of irregularity. Mitigate, to mitigate, to mitigated, to will mitigate, to will have mitigated. You know, it doesn't really change very much. We just put that ED on at the end of mitigate in order to make it show that past tense quality to it. The same holds true for Latin pronouns, as many Latin pronoun forms exhibit archaic elements because they were used so often. So for instance, the genitive singular of many pronoun forms is IUS as an archaic form. Likewise, an archaic dative singular I ending is often seen. The neuter nominative and accusative singular of several pronouns ends with a D, another relic of Latin's linguistic past. As in the didactic marker, A very old and very widespread form, it's not didactic, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, ooh, dietic, I think that's what it's called, a dietic marker. Um, 
well, it's found in the Proto-Indo-European forms as a K sound often spelled with a C appended to the end of the word to indicate that the speaker is pointing at something essentially. Okay, so uh, bearing all these archaic forms in mind can help memorizing what might seem otherwise very irregular in form, in my opinion. So here are the Latin demonstrative pronouns that I'm going to kind of suss through real quickly in the singular and then the plural. I'm going to do it. It's going to go masculine, feminine, the neuter, um, and nominative, genitive, dative, accusative, and ablative. And this is first we're going to do hic, hic, hoc. Hic is the nominative masculine, hike is the feminine nominative uh, singular, and then hawk is the neuter nominative singular. So hic, hike, hawk, hius, 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 all genitive, quick, 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 hunk, hawk, hunk, hawk, 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 and then in the plural, hi, hi, hike, horum, 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 hees, 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 hos, has, hike, and hees, hees, hees. I know that's kind of weird. Um, I'm definitely going to provide that in the show notes so that you guys have um, something to reference here. And uh, the closely, now what we're going to do is the closely related to um, demonstrative pronoun, but meaning the opposite of hic is ile, ila, ilul, uh, meaning that or those. As a pronoun, it shares many features with hic. So we'll do in the singular, starting with nominative, going to ablative, and then the plural, same thing, going through all the genders. Ile, the masculine, ila, the feminine, ilul, the neuter. In the genitive, ilius, 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 all having the same form. In the dative, all having the same form again. Ili, ili, ili. Accusative, ilium, or ilium, ilam, ilud. In the ablative, ilo, ila, ilo. In the plural, ili, ilai, ila. Genitive, ilorum, ilarum, ilorum. Data plural, elis, 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 accusative plural, elos, elas, ila, and then in the ablative plural, elis, elis, elis. Something to note here is that a lot of those plural forms share a lot of the similarities within the first and second declension plural endings. Orum, arm, orum, is, 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 os, as, is, is, e or i, ah. There you go. I'll leave it there. But just as with hic, the masculine nominative singular ile is irregular. And also, just like hic, ile exhibits the I-U-S archaic genitive singular ending and the I archaic dative singular ending, which is why they all share the same endings. That means that in the genitive and dative singular and the dative plural and the ablative plural, all the forms are going to be the same, masculine, feminine, neuter, no matter what. But note that unlike hic, where uh, nowhere does Ile use that 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 C marker, right? Um, well, not at least in classical Latin. Um, in earlier Latin, it does, but we won't get into that. But Ile does show an archaic form that hic lost. That is the D in the neuter, nominative and accusative form, producing the form ilud. Outside of that, all of the other forms of Ile, Ila, Ilud follow the the regular rather pattern of uh, first declension adjectives, including the mandatory long mark in the ablative singular feminine, which is exactly what you would expect of a first declension form. So like I was saying before, ila, ilai, or ile, ila, ilud, you know, uh, for that and those, has a lot of similarities to our first and second declension endings. Latin had another way of saying that, though. This is our last little bit, a little tidbit before we leave it on bye-bye and say goodbye to demonstrative pronouns. This one 
for saying that would be iste, ista, istud. This pronoun shows stronger pointing than ile. So there's more, there's more aggressive pointing action to it, uh, you know, involved to kind of give you an idea. For those that are curious, I'm going to fix what I had said before. It was not didactic. I meant didactic. And didactic, well, we're talking about ile or iste, ista, istud. It's more didactic than ile. It's more didactic-er. I don't know if that's a good word. It's not, though. So I'm going to not say that, actually. And when Italians of any century are pointing at something, it can never be good. Anyways, what does dyktik mean? Just so that you guys know, well, for those that don't know, dyktik is relating or denoting a word or expression whose meaning is dependent on the context in which it's used. So if you didn't know, now you know. That's why they they are demonstrative. They are denoting something. They're demonstrating uh, an expression uh, and more so a meaning that is dependent on, uh, you know, what they're referencing to, what the, what they are referring to, or if they, I don't know, like we with iste, ista, istud, like I said, it's more dyktic, which means there's that more of that pointing action to it. So iste, ista, istud was often associated in ancient Roman society with condemnation a lot of the time. Uh, in that way, my, uh, my Latin teacher taught me to say and translate iste um, with, uh, with a ger. So he would say that ger man, essentially, <laughs> because you're like, I don't know. Love you, Dr. Damon. You're, you're, I will always shout you out. You have, you really opened up my, my, my love for Latin and my love for etymology, especially you really taught me a lot about etymology through the, you know, the, we didn't really talk a lot of etymology. I mean, like we, I remember us doing a lot of, uh, you know, side translations of the Aeneid over the summertime and all that, you know, the Ovid metamorphoses and all that good stuff. But like, I remember, um, you know, talking to you about medical etymology and everything like that. And I think that, you know, you were the person, that's why I did my capstone research, bridging medical terminology to Latin and Greek prefix and suffixes. And, um, and yeah, you know what? Talk about a man that like knows just about anything and everything, a mind that just has so much knowledge in their head. Mark Damon. If you haven't seen his TEDx talk, I would urge you to do so. It's on uh, YouTube and it's about the Proto-Indo-European duel and it's very mind-blowing um, thing. And it goes to show also his amazing um, presence on stage because he used to be uh, embedded within theatrics, I think, uh, before he actually started teaching, which goes to show why he is such a lively, animated professor. Anyways, that ger man would be iste translated. Uh, ista would be that ger woman, and ista would be that ger thing. Um, so I'll just pass the tradition on to you if you want to. So... And note that iste declines in the same way that ile, ila, ilud would. So including that genitive singular ius and dative singular i ending with which you should be fairly familiar with by now. And with that being said, that's going to do it. I hope you guys learned something new and you understand a little bit more about what pronouns are, demonstrative pronouns, uh, and all that good stuff. Hic, ile, iste. This 
and those, or this and these rather, that and those. Thanks again, everybody. Thank yourselves. Thank the people around you. Thank your eyeballs. And thank your noggin. Thank your knowledge. Thank your, your, the ability for you to soak it all up. And until next time, Tempo Sestis, get ready.